grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we're doing a study in the book of James in this series called Reflections on Wisdom. And of all the urgent needs for wisdom, the need for wisdom as it's applied to money is one of the most desperate. Pop culture seems to feel that Powerball is America's game and the wise path towards wealth. Yet ancient wisdom challenges this with a wholly unique view. So what can the Bible teach us about being wise with our wealth? Pastor Sean is teaching out of James chapter 5 where he talks about the four ways you can use wisdom to redeem wealth in this message called Wisdom and Wealth. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. Our sermon series has been Reflections on Wisdom and the concept has been We Need Wisdom. We're looking through the book of James. James has sometimes been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to James chapter 5, because that's where we're going to be looking today. Now, we've discovered some things about wisdom already. One, we discovered the only true wisdom is God's wisdom. Only true wisdom is God's wisdom. There's other types of wisdom out there, and they may be seem wise for a short time, but to the extent that they contradict or go against God's wisdom, to the extent that they don't align with God's wisdom, they will always be short-lived, and they will always fade and end with less than great results. Only true wisdom is God's wisdom. And last week we looked at there is a wisdom that can only be found in the fire of adversity. That if you are right now in the fire of adversity, and we saw that quite a few people are. We had folks come for prayer. We had just got some feedback. If you're in the fires of adversity, our typical response is to get out. End it. Do whatever I have to do to get out. Well, there are some things that God only can teach us in the midst of adversity. It's not that he causes it, but he meets us there and does some amazing things. There's a wisdom that can only be found in the fire of adversity. Now, today I want to talk about wisdom and wealth. And we all know when it comes to wealth, money, resources, we could use some wisdom. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens when it comes to money. This is a very challenging message for me. I need to tell you because the Bible talks so much about wealth and money. It really does. It's overwhelming how much it talks. And so I want to give you a heads up, all right? I am going to violate one of the rules of good public speaking. I'm going to give you too much today. So either it's going to be awesome, and you go, wow, that was great, or it's going to be my head's going to explode, and you're going to go, well, we got to see that, so there's that. You know, that was cool. It really is. The Bible talks so much about wealth, money, and wisdom. I I think it's significant to understand why. It's because um, money is how we meet our needs. It's how we meet our needs. And because of that, it is very deep and personal to people. It is not something that most of us keep as just neutral. Because it's how we meet our needs, understand it is very susceptible to idolatry, to become an idol in our lives. When we talk about idolatry, things that take precedence over God, the number one that we struggle for, and particularly in our culture, is wealth, money. And so this is a big subject. The Bible talks about it a lot. And we're going to see that James starts out by giving a warning to the rich. He says, come now. This is James chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and, you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You've laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. 
and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Verse 7, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Let me pray for us real quickly. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, teach us. We want wisdom in every area of our life, and we handle wealth and money so much. I pray that you would speak wisdom to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I read what James is saying there, my first response is, wow, James, why don't you tell us what you really think? He beats up on the rich. Good thing we're not rich. You know what I'm saying? I mean, wow. Of course, if you check with different sources, International Bank, International Monetary Fund, the United Nations, um, the average household income in the United States all throughout is mid-50s, close to $60,000 a year. Um, in fact, remember, we talked about it when we did a money series a while back, um, in the San Antonio area, it's like mid-60s, 65000 That's the average household income in San Antonio area. Out here in the kind of northeast area, Shirt, Cibolo, northeast San Antonio, the average is about $80,000 a year. Um, the average in China is $6,000 a year. The average in India is about $3,000 a year. Now imagine how many people that represents. And understand that by any world standards, folks, we are rich. We are rich. So now, at first, I was like, wow, James, you know, you go to town, boy. Now, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like, well, that, that kind of stands me up straight. And what, do you, what do I need to draw from this? Because he gives an eye-opening warning about wealth and the danger of wealth. He definitely presents the downside, right? He talks about how it's temporary and fleeting. Don't put your trust in it because it is going to corrode this temporary and fleeting. Jesus called wealth deceitful. You remember in the parable of the sowers, Matthew 13, 22, he says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. We've all seen how wealth can mess up someone. Have you ever had a chance to experience or see that? You ever seen someone come into wealth and it absolutely changed them? You ever seen or experienced friendships lost over money? Marriages? As a pastor, we you know, get to talk to folks about biblical guidance and about marriage issues and things like that. I can't tell you how many marriage kind of interviews I've been at where people are just, they have no, they have no clue, and they're going to tear apart their family because of money. How about Inheritance? You ever seen siblings who, man, it seems they love each other and care about each other, but when it comes to money, the family has this huge division. We all know that money can mess with people's heads, and that's what James is trying to warn against. He makes it crystal clear that how you use wealth matters a lot. Okay, Understand something. Money is neutral. It's just a medium of exchange. How you use it is not. Money is neutral. How you use it is not. He, he chastised them for dishonest. 
self-indulgent, hurtful use of their wealth. And then he presents this interesting contrast. Because verse 7 and 8 are kind of hopeful in their words of wisdom. But, but I have to tell you, ordinarily we would read through that and kind of get through verse 6 and then have them see him change subjects in verse 7 and go, oh, glad he's not talking about that anymore. Whew. But listen to what he says. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers. Whenever you see that word therefore, he's talking about because of what I just said. So this is a continuation of what he was talking about. He's still talking about riches and wealth. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So remember, he's writing this letter to Christians who were dispersed. They had to leave Jerusalem because of persecution. And now they're dispersed in different areas. So not many of them were probably the rich he was talking about. There may have been some. But he's almost talking about a big problem that they all would be familiar with. And then he says, but not not you. You be patient. You wait like a farmer who waits for the rain, for his resources, his harvest. Be patient. Establish your hearts for the Lord. The coming of the Lord is at hand. See, there's this contrast set up. And James makes it crystal clear, paints one picture of wealth and resources, and it's not pretty, it's ugly. And then he paints another that's very different. And so the question I think we have to ask is, what what is it that makes the difference? Because both are talking about resources, but in two very different ways. And based on what we've read in James, what he said to us right at the outset of the book, if you you lack wisdom, ask for it. God wants to give it generously. I want to propose something to you. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church, in this series called Reflections on Wisdom from the Book of James, as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue to help others just like you. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And back to the message, Wisdom and Wealth, based on the book of James. This is Reaching for Real Life. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. James makes crystal clear money can be a curse. It can cause all kinds of pain and hurt in people's lives. But there is also a type of resource, money, even wealth, that we're going to find is the blessing of the Lord. 
What is it that makes the difference? Wisdom. God's wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. In Proverbs 8, the writer employs this kind of technique of personification. He is, he is making wisdom as though it is a person speaking to us. Okay? So Proverbs 8, beginning verse 18, this is wisdom speaking to us. Listen to what wisdom says. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold. My yield uh, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. So what we need to understand real quickly is the scripture is not saying, wisdom is not saying that wealth or resources are bad. What it's saying is that wealth and resources can lead to really bad things. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. That's good news. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. We've seen that sometimes resources can heap a lot of sorrow. But when God gives blessing, and when God gives resource, he adds no sorrow with it. Wisdom. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. Now, I want to give real quickly this morning four ways that I think we can, let, we, we can use wisdom to redeem wealth. And I like that word redeem. Redeem means to take something that was lost and not bring it back. We don't have to settle for this idea that, okay, the only way to use wisdom, if you're going to have any kind of resource or wealth, or the only way to use those resources, it's going to lead to hurtful things. It's just one of the necessary evils of life. We do not have to think that way. We can redeem wealth for God's purposes, instead of letting it dictate the world's purposes. Four ways you can use wisdom to redeem wealth. Number one, let wisdom change how you see money. Let wisdom change how you see money. I think we have got to refigure how to see money. We've got to begin to see money from a biblical perspective. Because so many problems when it comes to resources are with how we see money. I mean, think about it. Think about how many people see money as the secret to happiness. They see money, if, oh, it's the secret happiness. And here's how this works. We say, oh man, I'm struggling here, I'm struggling here, I'm struggling here. And by the way, we're the Americans, we're the ones they're talking about, we're the top, you know, five, 10%, right? Oh man, I'm struggling, struggling, struggling. If I could make this much, then it would all be well. You ever said that? Oh, look at y'all, you should be ashamed. You're like, no, Sean, not at all. If I could have this much, if I could make this much, then everything would work out great. Think about that statement you made 15 years ago and stop and consider you're making what you said then, then, right? Back then you said, if I could make, fill in the number, and you very well likely could be making that right now. Did it work? You see, that, that's how this thing goes. We, we, we in no way think we're rich. You know who's rich? Let me tell you who's rich. Anybody who has more than me. Okay? They're the rich. I'm kind of perfect middle. Okay? And then anybody who makes less than me, I'm praying for them because they're, you know. That's, it's just we, that we kind of orient the whole universe around us. So anybody who, who, the, who are the rich? Those who have more than me. And somehow we think, man, if I have this, then, then it'll bring happiness and joy. That is a false perspective about money, and we need to get rid of it right now. Some people see money as the source of security. 
the source of security. I'll always be at risk. I'll never be able to be safe. I'll never be able to secure until I have this much. And they're obsessed with the retirement plan, with the nest egg, with that, and it's a source of security. And if they don't have what they think is enough, they feel insecure. That is a false view of money. That is a misplaced sense of security. Other times, we just use it as a scorecard of life. And we particularly, I think, in America, we compete about everything. So money, why should that be an exception? Money's the scorecard of life. And there are certain professions that have high income, right? And those are the people I respect. Those are the people I want to know. Those are the people that I want to kind of rub shoulders and network with. Because I look up to them. I respect them. Then there's people who make what I make. And again, they're normal. They're the perfect center. They're just people, okay? And then there's those whose professions may make a little less. And, you know, I see them a certain way. That's messed up. That whole scorecard of life, that's messed up. And that is absolutely unbiblical. How we view wealth can really make a difference. Now, let me real quickly give you a few biblical ideas of how we should see wealth. Number one, wealth is the provision of the Lord. Wealth is the provision of the Lord. This is empirically true. This is empirically true. Here's why. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. That's just true. Haggai 2.8, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. It's all his. If you need an illustration, just understand, how did you come into this world? Naked and screaming. How are you going to leave? Naked and screaming. I mean, you come in with nothing, you leave with nothing, it is all alone. 70, 80, however long God gives you on this earth, 90 years, it's alone. Before I was here, someone had it. Think about the, home, the property you live on, that land. Before I had it, someone else had it. At some point after me, someone else is going to have it. All my resources are exactly the same way. It's alone. It's all God's. He's the creator. He's the originator. It's his. We are stewards of something that we will one day leave to someone else to steward. That changes things. When you understand wealth is the provision of the Lord. And understand a beautiful idea. God wants to be your provider. Read Matthew 6. I mean, I don't have time to go into it. There's so much in this subject. I will tell you, I did a series last year, and I think it's still up at reallife.org and on the app. It's called Financial Fitness. If you want more, if you want a, kind of a little more treatment of the subject, go there and kind of watch those messages because we'll go deeper into some of these ideas. But, but understand, in Matthew 6, Jesus makes crystal clear. God wants to be your father. He wants to be your provider. Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about food. Father feeds them. They get what they need. Look at the flowers of the field. They don't worry about what they're going to wear, the clothes that they put on. And <coughs> excuse me. And Solomon in all his splendor can't compare to how they look. Don't you think Father cares more about you? And he chastises us a little bit. He says, oh, you have little faith. He says, don't worry about it. Remember what he says. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? food, clothes, the stuff you need, will be added to you. That is a perspective. That is a paradigm shift. It's all God's. He's the Father, and he wants to provide for his children. Imagine thinking about that and understanding. My job, I'm grateful for it, but it's not my provider. God's my provider. Government, I'm grateful for things government does for us, but it's not my provider. God's my provider. This church, I work here. I love this church. We founded this church, but it's not my provider. God's my provider. It's a paradigm shift. It's the provision of the Lord. And you go, well, what about ungodly people who are wealthy? 
I mean, what about that? Well, Scripture says God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Proverbs ten sixteen gives some perspective. It says the wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. And we've all seen that. We've all seen that. Second perspective, second way that wisdom can change how we see money is it's a tool to be used, not a thing to be loved. It is a tool to be used. A medium of exchange is not a thing to be loved. 1 Timothy 6.10, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Wealth is not something to be loved. And uh, notice it says that when Paul wrote to Timothy, it's not money that is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's putting it in first place. That's when it becomes messed up and distorted like James was describing. Money is a tool to be used, not a thing to be loved. Thirdly, it's gained through hard work. This is really important. Money in God's system is designed to be acquired and gained through hard work. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. The New Testament says we should earn our own bread with our own hands. It says he who doesn't work shouldn't eat. There is something powerful about working for your resources, something of a training, something that happens in the context of that, that is really healthy and good, that prepares us as we grow a little bit and we expand the resources that we are steward of. We've got to be very careful about get-rich-quick schemes. And man, we love them. I cannot believe the things that people believe just because we want to believe it so badly. Seriously. Th- I mean, and you need to know something. We're, we Christians, we're targets. We have targets on our back. You know why? Because we believe. We got faith. It's true. Uh, have you ever been to like some big multi-level marketing organization, been to their kind of meetings that they have? They're like church. Some guy up there telling you, and I made so much money, and I've used my money for it. And, and just like, dude, I think everything you're saying is bull, but you would be a great preacher. <laughs> Seriously, man, you could, you could take my job any day. Be careful about get-rich-quick schemes. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I mean, think about this. Think about these young athletes, gifted athletes that come out of college and go into into the pros. I mean, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, doesn't matter. You see, these kids who they have a very high-level, unique skill that allows them to make ridiculous amounts of money. By the way, do you know why they make ridiculous amounts of money? Because another god in our culture is entertainment. That's how it's paid for. You need to know pro sports is entertainment, and the money flow is because we'll pay a lot, and millions of people want to watch Similar in, the, in, the, in the, the arts and the entertainment side of that. But because of our values, certain skills that these young people may have allow them to earn an unbelievable level of income that they are in no way prepared to manage. And you watch these poor kids make millions. And then you follow up on them 10, 15 years later after few years after their retirement, I knew one personally. Lost everything. 
You made, you made more money than most people could ever dream of making. You made more money in five years than most people could ever dream of making in a lifetime. How could you blow it? How can you be bankrupt? Because they, they were in no way prepared for that. And that's something where hard, steady work, as you, it's like you grow and you're able to take more. You learn and grow in the process. It's a biblical principle. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. And one of the ways it does that is lets us see money differently. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series on wisdom based on the book of James, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you or even better. Your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, inspirational worship, and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Matama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life.